If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by the Hoarding Solution podcast. Today, our guest is Ann Zanin, and she has A to Z Organizing Solutions, LLC. And she is also heading up the Houston Hoarding Task Force and Network in Houston. And I thank her for coming by today and sharing her story and how she's helping people that have clutter issues. Thank you for the welcome. I appreciate it, Tammy, and thanks for having me on. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, um, so as Tammy mentioned, um, my name is Ann Zanin, and my company is A to Z Organizing Solutions. I work pr primarily in the Houston area. Um, I started my business just about 10 years ago, not quite 10 years ago. Uh, the very first client that I worked with as a professional organizer, um, I walked in and I, I actually wasn't surprised to see it because based on our conversations prior, but um, it was definitely uh, a, a fairly hoarded environment. And I dug in with the client, we worked together very well. And then I realized that I did not feel like I had the skills to, to be able to take her through and complete the job. So I called a colleague whom I didn't know very well. And I just said, Hey, can you give me some tips? And she says, well, tell me what you've done so far and let's figure out what's going on. So I said, they told her all that. We had a great conversation. She gave me some tips and she said, if you need me, if you get to the point where you feel like you're not able to to continue on, then bring me in and I'll work with you. And, and so she agreed to kind of mentor me through, uh, through this particular client. And we were very successful in cleaning, clearing out and organizing about four rooms of her home. And she had some goals in mind, so we were able to achieve those goals. And she donated a ton of stuff. She wasn't willing to donate a lot, but that was fine. We donated as, as much as she was willing. And I don't push my clients to give things away. I make them decide, but I don't push them to decide what I want them to decide. I let them make their own choices. Um, but ultimately, she and I both felt like it was a, a successful project. So fast forward... Uh, we moved from Virginia to Connecticut, and I became certified. I started doing lots and lots of education about hoarding, and I discovered that it is my passion to help people who hoard and the people who are around them. So at that point, I, my focus was mostly working with clients who hoard. Um, fast forward a little bit further to about two years ago, my husband was transferred to Houston from Connecticut. So we moved across the country and nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew that I had this experience and I had time to look up and figure out what the laws were here in Houston and come to find out there was no task force for hoarding in the fourth largest city in the United States. I called the police department, the fire department, the social workers. I called people who were therapists, all these people to find out what is available here to assist people who are hoarding and, and those people who are affected by the peripherals. 
and um, found out that there was nothing in place. In fact, there isn't even a class for children of hoarders or the peripherals as well, nor is there any kind of buried in treasure class going on at this point. Um, there had been at one point, but there was, was not at that point. So um, I decided after talking to several of these people that maybe it's time to start a task force here. So again, I went back to all the city people and said, hey, let's start a task force. And they're like, we don't have the money. We don't have the time. And so I said, well, how about if I start it? I don't have a lot of money, but I could certainly put up a website. And maybe we could put on a, a uh, some sort of a, a learning uh, day of learning for people who are interested. And they were like, go for it. So I did. And uh, last February, we put on the very first educational conference on hoarding. We brought in Corey Chalmers from the TV show Hoarders, who was gave an a, an impassioned conversation, a, a full day conversation all about hoarding. And it was everything from helping the person who hoards all the way through animals. We, we talked about everything to do with hoarding. And then of course we didn't, there were some subjects we weren't able to touch because it was just a day. But one of the things that I have become most passionate about, and I actually spoke at our conference about this, was helping the people who are around the person who hoards. And I'm speaking specifically of family members, neighbors, um, police officers, firefighters, those who are trying to help the person who's hoarding to help them get out of that situation. And then also helping the people who are stuck in this situation, particular children and spouses that have been stuck in, in situations where they can't get out and they don't have a choice. Um, and so I felt like over the last few years that that has really been where my advocacy has been. And that's where, where I see such a gap. And I'm so happy that you are addressing that and, and stepping into that in your area because there is such a gap between the people that are hoarding, the family members stuck in it, and then you have, all, of course, all the first responders and neighbors and there's so many industries that are impacted who might come across this and they're like, what, what is this? What do we do? And so I think the fact that you're looking at that is really important and really valuable and how amazing that you got to have an entire day, you know, in your area that was all around education, you know, that that's amazing. And I think what's needed to reduce some of the stigma and get some cooperation going. It was an amazing day. And I think it, there was not one person who felt disappointed in the education they got. Probably the best part of that day, in addition to the education, of course, but probably the best part of that day was that a woman came to the conference who lives next door to someone who has a very severe board. Mm. He has well over 200 rats in his home in a three-building condominium, and they're coming into her place. And being able to be there to support her and assist her with making decisions, and it's not solved yet. It's still almost, gosh, it's been eight months, I think, since then, but it has still not been resolved. She does, she is living in a different place, but it is, um, it's in the process. 
and it really helped bring a light on the fact that she is really being affected and it, and it's not her fault and there's nothing that she can do about it. Um, Houston's laws are such that anyone can pretty much do whatever they want in their own homes. If they want to put cardboard as their roof, they can do that. And um, that's just part of the housing laws down here. And it's, it's really sad, especially for this gal because his hoarding is affecting her. This neighbor is affecting her. And for her to have to have rats in her home and chewing up her wires and making it so her electricity goes out or she's got peanut shells on her floor um, because of the fact that he's feeding these rats, that's not fair. He's invading her space. And um, so I felt, feel like we've been working slow, but we've been working diligently toward a resolution for her. And I'm so glad that you are there to be in her corner because there are, so I know across our country that there are so many people that are impacted like that in some way. And where is their recourse? What do they do? when the other person thinks they aren't hurting anyone. Right. And I don't, I know personally that rats in my space is completely unacceptable. And so for her to have to deal with that is, is terrible. And for her neighbor to not recognize the impact that he is having is equally terrible and sad and also very much part of hoarding, the denial aspect. It is very much a denial, absolutely. And I, I see that uh, like legally, there are so many things that come into play when someone calls you and says, hey, can you go fix this hoarding problem? <laughs> and it isn't as simple as it might appear to be. Right. Well, technically, you're right, because in Houston, there is one law pertaining to hoarding, and that law is if, the, if there is a shared wall between someone who hoards and someone who doesn't, you can do something about it. So she went through all the proper channels. We have a, a 311 where you can dial, and, and they're supposed to send somebody out for a non-emergency uh, type of complaint, and it's all pertaining services came in and they interviewed this guy and they decided that he was perfectly sane and there was no problem and they dismissed the case. There was no, no nothing with that. Yet they still did not follow the law that she's being affected even though, and they share a wall, but they still did not do anything to help her. The other thing is supposed to happen is he's supposed to be fined a thousand dollars a day and he has not been charged anything and the homeowners association is not backing her the police are not backing her the fire department is not backing city hall is not backing her the only person on her side is her sister and myself and how and that highlights such a horrible problem that people come across where you think that you're going to call certain entities and they're going to intervene and they do not and I would guess some of it's budget, but some of it's lack of awareness and like an in, like almost this weird inability to make any movement to resolve anything. And that's where I think that education piece comes in and it needs to be education across the board 
up and down the lines of people that are coming in contact with this. You're exactly right. That was my biggest disappointment in the conference that we gave is that um, no one from the city of Houston came. Wow. And, um, and I even offered discounts and trying to get them because I really, my goal was not, I didn't, I lost money on it. Okay. So that's, you know, it is what it is. I lost money on it, but ultimately my goal is to educate and help people learn that it doesn't just affect the person who is hoarding. There are other people involved. And um, it, it really saddened me that, that you know, every call I put into the mayor's office did not one return call. Mm. And that is so, it's so sad because, I mean, the numbers of people that have a hoarding issue are staggering and yeah. often undisclosed until there's like this major crisis. And then now there is a crisis and there's still no, like no resolution, no movement. How frustrating that is when we know that this is a much bigger problem. And I've, I've come to the conclusion that hoarding is actually a public health crisis that I we are not addressing. Totally agree. And, and the fact is though, we all know that we have to use, we have to use kid gloves when we're working with the person who is hoarding. We do have to use the right verbiage. We have to use the certain tones of voice that works specifically with each client. Um, I had a client when we were in Connecticut, they had called me and asked me if I could come and assist with him. He's an older gentleman, single, never married, lived in the house that he'd grown up in. He was born actually and brought home to this house. So he'd never moved away from there. So I'd say he'd lived there 70 years. And I went in to help him. And the first thing he said to me is, are you really going to help me and stay? And I said, well, of course. I said, you know, that's what I'm here to do. And he says, well, you're my third organizer. The first one came in and it was a guy and he just took everything and just threw it in boxes and put them in the closet and, but didn't label anything. And then I had to just go open all the boxes to find anything. He said, I couldn't find my clothes. I couldn't find my books. I couldn't find anything. So instead of organizing what they went in and did is just toss everything in boxes and he said within two weeks I was having to dig for everything it went back to exactly the way that it was so he said the second organizer that came in here came in she said she took a look around and she says I left something in my car I'll be right back and she left and she mm. never came back and he so that's I was kind of confused when he first asked me are you gonna stay and I said well of course I am and it turned out he was the sweetest man. He just didn't know how to organize. And he, you know, he knew that he didn't want to hoard and he didn't hoard. He actually just had some chronic disorganization issues. So I think a lot of people look at the mess and think immediately this is a hoard and they don't want to deal with it or they're going to just pack the stuff away. And ultimately what this man needed was to somebody to show him how to organize. And it was, it was a, it was a very enlightening client for me. I, I felt like, you know, initially walked in thinking this is definitely a horde and it was not. And by listening to him and listening to his issues, I found out that wasn't the case at all. He was the sweetest man ever. He was very sweet. 
And you're right, keying into that that human element and what's going on with that person is like the way to actually dig into what's going on. And it's not always one size fits all. And not everyone that has clutter is a hoarder. And not everyone that hoards is going to fit some specific diagnosis. So there's just so many variables. And I think like you're saying, he went through two organizers and then he finally got to you who took the time to say, okay, what's really happening here? And that's where I see the need is people who are in this line of work and are aware that this is a slightly different situation than, hey, we're going to, you know, clear out your closet today. Um, And depending on the person's mobility as they age at some point they may have been managing their stuff and then now they can't for whatever reason whether it's aging or uh, other long-term illnesses which are some of the clients i've worked with where you know you see that what their house was like before and it wasn't like that until Mm -hmm. there was some reason why they couldn't manage any longer Well, and I think you and I have talked about this as well. I mean, the reasons are so varied. You never know. I mean, it it could be anything from a death um, to an injury or some mental illness. I mean, there's so many things that that go on inside a person's head that I personally, my theory, and this has never been proven, I'm not a scientific person, but my theory is that there's always seems to be three parts to it. And I don't know why, but, you know, when I look at all of my clients, I can tell you there are three things, at least, usually it's just three, three things that have triggered the hoarding. And I would say part of it is just innate. They either, you know, their parents or grandparents, somebody else also had this hoarding problem. So there's a little bit of an eight, innate, and there's always some sort of a trauma. And frequently there's something that has happened that's caused a quick disorganization and they've not recovered from it. So maybe they've uh, moved and they haven't been able to unpack all of their stuff and they just give up and then just unpack what they need and throw stuff on the floor. That's, it's really interesting how I'm finding that most clients, that's what I see is three parts that are are leading to the actual hoarding behavior. And that really does seem to be the case. And as far as like, I know they talk about it being clustered in families. And um, I know in my own history, I have seen it um, in particular on the maternal side, uh, older aunts that had this problem and um, it, but varying, like one had like an avalanche risk. The other one had boxes stacked neatly, but you still couldn't use the space. And so even in there, there's this variation of what's going on. But underneath that all is that trauma piece. I see the trauma as huge uh, reasons why people hoard. Um, And of course, we do other things too because of trauma. But in this case, that's what I see or in this particular topic that's what I see is so much trauma and it can be dormant you know and something triggers it and now here we have this situation 
Yep, you're exactly right. And, and I think we both see the same thing. And I, I love the fact that you and I both have the passion to help the person who's hoarding, but also those peripherals, the, the children, the families, um, how hurtful and how painful it can be for the people that are around the person. Because we, we meaning the people who love the person who's hoarding, um, it's very difficult to see them in pain or suffer. Yet at the same time, you're in a position where you don't want to be around sometimes in that situation because of the mess or the dirt or the smell or whatever it happens to be. Um, it's, I love the fact that you and I both focus on that. And I, I appreciate and love that too, because I see such a gap there for and so many people aren't in the conversation when they're trying to resolve it and I just think that somehow there's a way to create that triple win and people will ask me is there a cure for hoarding and I'm like well I think you manage it you figure out how to manage it you don't just all of a sudden stop typically and so even that educational piece is so valuable for family members, for like church members or other people who want to just step in and bust through. And you're like, well, I think you're not considering the whole picture, you know? And I think that is what is missing and why it's so important to have things like a task force and education. And honestly, I think a lot of professions could benefit from like, uh, continuing education, where this is a part of what you will be required to understand um, if you're going into this specific profession. Exactly. And, you know, there are times when a clean out, and, and when I say clean out, it's not throwing everything away, but a clean out where you're um, making someone safe is, is merited. There's, there are definitely times where that has to be done. Um, but the client has to be okay with it if you're going to start taking stuff out. The, the person who's hoarding has to be okay. And I'm not saying that that's easy because it's not. But to go in and just start ripping things away from people is it's just that's going to create more trauma. And I, I think a lot of even organizers realize that. Um, that's why there are those of us who specialize in hoarding, like yourself, like myself. Um, even people who are therapists, if we specialize in it, we know what to watch for to see if we're going to create trauma or drama for this client. Um, to just go in and just do a clean out can really, really be scary for them. And it's their space, you know, even if you don't agree with the way it's kept or what they're keeping, it's still their space. And I try to keep in mind what, what I, how would I feel if someone came into my space and said, you're going to just, you know, do this today. And as a, a, as a person overall, I'm pretty sensitive to that anyway, because of my own experiences and being judged for, is there a dust bunny I missed? Um, you know, that type of thing. And just being really aware that I'm like, I'm a guest in their space, even if, I really am there to try to help them. And I think 
in my experience with other people that have organized as well is kind of you're in a coaching role where you're helping that person learn to make decisions and i find people also will tell their story and that's part of their release when they're able to oh true mm -hmm. and some people are enough to listen to those stories and while I do sometimes remind a client that, you know, this is on the clock, so it's okay to tell me the story, but just be aware. I, I want to hear the story if you want to tell the story, um, but just be aware it's going to take us a little more time. So let's work while we're doing it. Maybe while you're telling me the story of um, this tchotchke, we could be looking at some other things and um, maybe get rid of a few things that way. Uh, speaking of the word getting of, that's not something I typically will say to the client. You know, I don't say, oh, you want to get rid of this piece of paper? That's not really, it's, it doesn't help. <laughs> you know, what I focus on is what do you want to keep and what's going to enhance your life and what's going to enhance your environment? Or if you were at the store, would you buy this again? It, or is this something you're going to wear? I ask questions about the actual item instead of saying, oh, let's get rid of this. Or, oh, do you want to get rid of this? How many of these books do you want to get rid of? No, I'd rather not get rid of any of them. It's, it's going to be the answer. But what I focus on is what are you going to keep? And let's focus on why you want to keep it. And how is that going to enhance your life? And I think, and you're right. And you touched on it before about the verbiage and the language that you use. And I, I will say, keep, donate, discard. When I try to categorize it and I try to stay away from things like, just like you're saying, let's throw it all out. Let's get rid of this. I mean, those are very triggering phrases. And, and I think I see some people do it just to get the reaction from the person. And they aren't really focused on how is that impacting the person. And I, I find it very valuable to look at what are you, what is coming out of your mouth? <laughs> when you're talking to people because you can't take it back and they are going to replay that sometimes over and over again so if right. you're asking them their opinion their solution what they want how valuable is that for them to feel like they do have some control over what might be actually uncontrollable Right. When I've worked with even a couple of my team members, I correct to them, you know, the get rid of phrase immediately gets their ire up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like you're criticizing me for keeping this. It, it really hurts. Um, and it'll immediately start the client and, on a bad note. And so I don't use those terms when I'm working with a the client. They'll say it, but I won't. Right. And even the term hoarder, I get why people don't like that phrase. And so I personally try to use the person that hoards or the family member or the, uh, I'm like the adult kid of parents that hoard. So I think it's valuable to separate that. But I also think that hoarding is actually a valuable word because that's what's happening. But you are taking away word. Mm -hmm. um, who else is it? I think Randy Frost is talking about finder keeper. There's other ways to say things, clutterer. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the term hoard does have a, a hoarder, does have a derogatory thought word to it. Um, but I, I'm going to tell you also, and this is going to 
probably shock a few people. I can't tell you how many clients have called. And as soon as I pick up the phone, you know, hi, this is Anne, how may I help you? And, um, you know, I need your help is what they'll say, I'm a hoarder. And immediately, if, if it's a woman calling, 50% of them start crying. Right. Say, I'm a hoarder. And my response to that is, you would not go around saying to somebody, you're an ADD person. You're not going to say, um, you're not going to identify someone by their mental illness. Um, so I'll say to them, you may have a hoarding problem, but you are a person first. And you have feelings. And, I, you know, if you want to call yourself a hoarder, that's fine with me, but I will not call you that. And that, I, I agree with that. And most people will self-refer to themselves that way. Uh, and I agree that that's not, um, not a way I would want to identify myself or anyone else. And I think that contributes to some of the stigma and why people don't seek help because they're afraid of that term and what it, the negative connotations. And I, if you look at the humans and I've often used the phrase the humans in hoarding because there's so many of them and the stuff like is a symptom it isn't the actual issue it's a problem but it's not the actual issue exactly so tell us about the task force like how did that how is that going do you have any suggestions or things to avoid <laughs> <laughs> at the you know when we first started it out I, I frankly I had a couple of people saying they were willing to help and um, but then they kind of dropped off so I've kind of done it myself um, I have the website I do get inquiries on the web on that website probably maybe once a month where somebody will say hey I'm, I'm you know here they go again I'm a hoarder I need your help or um, I, my mom has a problem or those types of things, I, I do get those in kind of inquiries. And I kind of was letting it sit a little bit over the coronavirus because I wasn't working in person with clients. Um, so while I, I, so I didn't do any advertising during the pandemic part of it. Um, now that we're getting closer to February, which is when I was hoping to do a second educational conference, I have contacted a couple contacted a couple of speakers if we are willing to do it as a virtual conference. So we're starting to work on that and hoping to include more city employees, police department, fire department. Hopefully maybe we'll get somebody from the mayor's office to come this year uh, based on all the great feedback we got last year. Um, but I want it to continue. And right now it is part of my business. So when I tell you that, people are like, oh, you it's shouldn't this be a nonprofit? But my lawyer and I discussed it because of the fact that last year I lost a lot of money on it doing between the conference and the website and all the the um, of course I don't I don't charge for any of my time or anything, but all the actual expenses of it, I did end up losing money. So okay, truth be told, I took a little tax write-off on write-off because of the loss on that part of a business. But once it starts making some money so that we can utilize some money to help people, then at that point I will flip it into a nonprofit. Um, so that was just based on my lawyer's advice. 
The, the hope is though that we eventually will start being able to help people, especially those peripherals like this woman I mentioned earlier that her neighbor is hoarding. I'm sorry about the clock in the background. Um, where her neighbor is hoarding and they've got a couple hundred rats in the house. I would love to be able to help her with some of her legal fees. She's having to hire a lawyer because a house, her condominium, which should be worth around two fifty, is now only worth around seventy-five thousand dollars. So because of the the problem with the neighbor, so that's a huge loss for her. And I would love to be able to help her through the task force with her legal fees. And right, and she's so negatively impacted by that other person that it's just appalling. And even if you wanted to help the world for free, it still costs money to take things, you know, and it costs gas and mileage. And, you know, it's not a free service, really, that you can provide to people. And so far, that's what I've done with her is 100% free. Mm -hmm. I've referred her to lawyers. I've referred her to different places. I've gone over there. I've gone, I actually um, had some had multiple conversations with the the gentleman who who lives next door who's hoarding. Um, we sent out a pest control department, and he really did not. He it was not a success. It was not success, successful. Mm -hmm. He um, he threw away the bait boxes after he paid them to come out because wow. he, and he didn't want to kill the rats. So, um, mm. but but it has cost me time. I'm okay with that. But if, as far as the money is concerned, I was okay with taking a little bit of a tax write-off on that. Ultimately, I, I wanted to make money so that we could spend money to help people. Right. And that's, you know, and that's the thing is it takes money to run a nonprofit. And a lot of people don't realize that you need to run that pretty much like you run a business that you, Absolutely. you know, so many aspects of that that are similar. So yeah. Um, very important um, to do that. So how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to find Ann Zanin? Um, actually, well, you can find me through annzanin.com, which will redirect you to my business website, which is a to z organizing solutions.com. Or you can find me at the Houston hoarding task force.com, which also goes to Houston. I've got a bunch of domains that go to that. Um, but Houston Hoarding Task Force, if you Google that, you'll be able to find me. Um, and I do have a Connecticut number. So if you would happen to live in Houston and you're trying to reach me and you see that 203 number, that is my cell. Um, I guess that's really about it. So we live in the Midtown Houston area and um, I travel all around the greater Houston area. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us today, talking with me and sharing your thoughts around all of this. I'm, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the, the voice that you're bringing to the conversation because I think it's really needed and valuable. And I look forward to your conference. That would be, you know, the fact that we can do it virtually. Um, I would love to see more people pull into that, you know, because this is needed and, and you don't always come across the training when you need it. So <laughs> I just want to throw out one more little thing. If we do, obviously if we do the virtual, we're going to hopefully make, maybe make a little bit of money this year. I would love, I actually have somebody on tap 
who could do some research for us. And I'm really excited about that because I have some theories about hoarding and how you know the brain is affected and things like that. And I have somebody on tap, but we've got to we've got to put some money behind her. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we will have, we're ramping up for it. We're hoping to do it in February. It will definitely be virtual. It will not be in person. Um, I just don't want to take the chance of, with, with the virus. So, but yes, thank you. I'll let you know as soon as the date and everything has been settled. Yes. And I'd be happy to share that around and let people know what's going on because I, I really see the value and the need for that. Thank you. And thank you for all you do, Tammy. We appreciate you very much because you're you are definitely the voice of the of the people who need you you know whether it's the hoarding people or the people who are surrounding them thank you thank you so much i appreciate that if you or a loved one has a hoarding problem let's work together on a solution